intros. So go. Oh, I'm supposed to talk now. That's how we're just we're just gonna. You've been f- talking the whole time. We're gonna fly here. Uh, great. Well, my name's Ethan. This is the Injury Prone Podcast. Uh, as I just mentioned, how I hated, I hate entries intros to podcasts. But I'm sure you have something for me, Edwin. So hit me up. Yes, you are, Ethan Turner. So we'll do it backwards, right? So you have a two. First of all, your Twitter handle is too complicated. Anytime you throw an underscore in there, you lo- you lose me, right? Hey, You're I'm sorry. At, at E Turner FF. That would have been good. I could have stopped there. And then you threw in the underscore PT. I know. And I might just take that underscore PT out someday. But take the underscore I, out. That's all. Just underscore. Uh, see, but then it's like FFPT. And I just, then it would, I'd rather just be ET the PT or ET FFPT. See, we're coming up with new names for me and we haven't even given them. I don't even think we gave them the full name. No. That's a shame. So at E Turner FF underscore PT, Ethan Turner. He's an NFL injury analyst for the Fantasy Headliners. He's a podcast, uh, a podcast host of the Superflex Show. He's a doctor of physical therapy. So again, Spider Man meme. I've done that with all three PTs that have came on. Um, you're the fourth PT to come on. So Spider Man GIF and top top draft and dynasty FF follows. Where is that at? You got to tell me where that is. like where did that? So come? that's DLF does that. So oh, Ryan cool. McDowell used to do these. I'm sorry, man. You came into the game way too late. Because somehow Ryan McDowell got really upset about how it was going this year and quit that. But he used to do a list where you had to basically vote people in and then you could be listed as like one of the top follows. And I begged him this year to add an injury analyst following because I feel like there's a lot of people that deserve to know about our niche. And there's a lot of people that do it that just don't know that there are people talking just about injuries in the NFL. And I begged him, I'm like, Hey man, can you include like injury analysts when you go through this? Cause he would do like redraft and dynasty and, uh, Devi and college and the draft. And he would go through all these lists and then you would have to basically like vote who your favorite, like three or five guys were or girls uh. that do the stuff. And so that's how you would list, you would get listed on fantasy football follows. And then he would put it together and then put it out there and like rank them based on who was voted in. And so I actually made it in for two different categories, which makes me feel really good. So I brag about it. What are they? Tell us categories. Yeah. So it's the NFL draft. I do a lot more dynasty focused, but I do a lot with college players coming into the NFL. So that's kind of my niche within the niche. Obviously like injury analysis is its own very specific niche in the fantasy community, but I actually took that a step further and focused more on injury history, uh, data gathering. And now I, I like write a whole thing about it and I do a a beautiful guide and my own guide that I wrote all by myself. Um, What's it called? It's called the, it's called the rookie injury guide. And so this was the first, no, it's what? called the 2020. Rookie oh, sorry. Injury. I should have specified. I should have specified. It's the 2020 rookie injury guy. Your Twitter pin to your at E Turner FF underscore PT Twitter account. This is true. Uh, you got to find this thing. It's 10 bucks, which is criminally undervalued if you ask me, but basically what it is, criminally. is criminal, but basically what it is, is I felt obligated I was getting frustrated. I'll be honest, Edwin, you know, this, the best predictor we have that a player is going to get injured is if they've been previously injured. Yes. Nobody on any website, nobody at all was collecting injury history data for players as they entered into the NFL. And so every website that has an algorithm that predicts, I have air quotes here, but you can't see them on the pod, but predicts injury. Every website that tracks injury data, every every single one of those is missing a massive chunk of a player's career. It's not like they just like woke up and joined the NFL. Most players have been injured prior to coming in. And so I was frustrated because I'm trying to look and see like who's at the greatest risk of being injured. And nobody has this college data or even if I can find it, junior high data. So what I did was about three years ago, somebody asked me, hey, can you look up injury histories and kind of assess, you know, give us an idea like red light, green light, yellow light, how risky these guys are from an injury perspective. And so I did that for two years for basically free. 
And the second year I did about 215 players. So this would have been 2019's class. So I took, I mean, I was spending hours on this injury history stuff. And I think I made about $120 for that guide. And I really just honestly with you, I was like, yo, this is not worth my time. Uh, if I'm just going to do it this way, this is not worth it for me. If I'm really going to want to put into this, I need to like make my own thing. And it needs to be my thing that I charge people for. And if you say, well, injury history data is not worth it. Again, you can't find it anywhere else. One, two, I search and search and search and search and search for injuries to these players. I spend about an hour per player just, just doing the research, trying to find it. It has to be reported. So I don't like speculate. These are all reported injuries. And I go back as far as I can. Uh, you know, Benjamin's my favorite story because I actually found I actually found an article talking about how he was hit by a car when he was four. And I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to have an injury Who? from when. Eno Benjamin? Eno Benjamin. What the f- <laughs> Seventh round pick, <laughs> running back. <laughs> That's not funny. He's it's four- not funny that he yeah. got hit by a car. It's funny that you found that information. It's an amazing story, though, because he's four years old, NFL player, and four years old, he was chasing a football into the street. Now, how like hilarious is that, that this guy ended Saren up playing in the well. NFL? I mean, it really is. And so he got hit by a car and like throw. The article talks about how he got thrown by this car he's four so like the car didn't have to go very fast to like throw a a four-year-old and literally got up no scratches i was like are you freaking kidding me i thought i had found like i was going to find out about how he broke his arm when he was four years old because he got hit by a car and i was going to be able to put that in the guide and i couldn't because he didn't actually get hurt so the farthest back i've gone is actually uh I'm trying to think who was this? It would have been Antonio Gandy golden this year, uh, dislocated his hip when he was in eighth grade. And so that is the only junior high injury I've ever found. Uh, but for the most part, I have the most complete set of injury history data for this year's rookie class. And because it's the only place you can get it, none of these other websites, algorithms, I don't think, are incorporating it to the extent that I have it and therefore their injury risk algorithms are flawed in that way. So that's why I did it. I wanted to have all the data mostly for myself and my own analysis. What I found is that people really liked it. They liked having this injury history data. And what I've also found is that it has been very, very effective at predicting which players are more likely to get hurt as their NFL careers progress. And so you're ideally using it to avoid big landmines. And so I have done that successfully uh, in my rankings. I had Christian McCaffrey well ahead of Leonard Fournette. That's worked out pretty well for me. Um, I had Nick Chubb and and Saquon Barkley well ahead of Sony Michelle. That has worked out very well for me. So a lot of times, is it the like make or break difference for my rankings? No. But if I have two players right back to back and one of them has an extensive injury history that puts them at risk of being injured again in the future and one of them doesn't, I'm probably bumping that guy that doesn't up. So it's a factor. And I found that it's I do a pretty, pretty good job of actually predicting the risk. I don't predict injuries. That's garbage. Anyone who says they predict injuries is full of crap. But uh, I do, I do try to predict risk as best as I can. So, who are some of the landmines this year? This year, okay. So the obvious I guess, one, I guess not in this year necessarily, but like, who are some of the twenty twenty players in the draft class who, in the future, might run into some issues? Yeah. So this year, um, I I actually completely overhauled my system. So I actually did a lot of math and and put a formula together to what I call the injury risk rating, which is a sliding scale from one. It's from zero technically, uh, but it's from zero to 10, but nobody can score better than a one because that is the inherent risk that every football player plays with. Every football player has some risk associated uh, that they could get injured. I mean, that's just, there's no way for me to calculate that. So I've arbitrarily assigned them all at least a one. Um, And so the injury risk rating is a scale. And so that has allowed me where I used to just go high, moderate, low. Now I have grades for each one. So 
you know, you're, you're basically rated on a sliding scale of 10 based on a formula that I put together, uh, based on one, the injury data that I've found in the past and what I've found, uh, is more likely to reoccur. And then obviously like there's a lot of scientific data on re-injury risks and things like that. So that's all incorporated in this formula. I punch in the, the, the injury history, it gives me a number. And then that number actually is what the injury risk rating is. So it allows me to compare, compare entire players to each other, but also allows me to compare, you know, position by position, kind of where the, the highest risk lies. So this year, um, some of the names that have come up that I think obviously the, the biggest one is Tua. Everyone wants to talk about Tua Tungavaloa. Tungavaloa. I tried to say that too fast. I screwed it up. Tungavailoa. Um, <laughs> but he, here's the thing is like everyone knows that he's an injury risk. Uh, you don't have, you know, four major surgeries while you're in college and then all of a sudden like you just shake it, shake it off like, oh, he's this is no problem. Like that's not really how it works. Even like the layman know that. Tua has inherent risk associated with him. Um, I don't think I'm really surprising anybody with that, but like, as far as the running backs go, it was actually a pretty healthy class overall. Um, Zach Moss is one that kind of sticks out to me. Um, you know, his injury risk rating was a moderate, but he's, at, he's got a 6.25 out of 10. So, um, you know, he has a pretty long injury history dating back, you know, all the way back to 2017. Um, shoulder ankle sprains. Uh, he had a knee injury that I think was a meniscus meniscus tear. Some people have said that they think it's an ACL. I can tell you with, I did tons of research on this. I did not find a single place that said that it was actually confirmed that it was an ACL tear. The mechanism is very similar to a meniscus tear. Uh, basically, his knee locked up when he was trying to get. He injured himself on Wednesday of practice, and then I can't remember Thursday or Friday. He basically tried to get into bed, and his knee locked, and he couldn't like extend his knee. That is not an ACL mechanism. So to me, it's Sounds very like meniscus. Yeah. yeah, very clearly, I'm pretty sure that this was a meniscus injury, and then. He missed five games that year and then returned for spring practices. Again, not what you would expect if he tore his ACL and had an ACL repair. Um, so he's one that kind of stuck out. Um, as far as like the wide receivers go, I have quite a few that kind of nothing major, but definitely have a list of things that you should know that if something comes up might be worth noting. Um, Brian Edwards and LaVisca Chenault were the ones that everyone kind of knew about by the time the draft started, but, uh, and kind of an underrated one was Michael Pittman. He had quite a few issues. He had, uh, seven reported injuries, um, dating back to 2016. So, um, you know, again, that's something that is worth knowing. So if it happens in the NFL, you can't say, oh, well, we didn't know that he had this history. Well, you would know if you had bought the 2020 rookie injury guide. That's kind of the reason why I do it is so that if something happens, if it happens, not saying it will, but if it does, I can go back and look and say, was there risk associated with this player that this could, this could occur. Um, tied in wise, I, you know, it's not, I won't say that it's, it's not funny. It's not funny is not the word I'd use, but Thad Moss was somebody that a lot of people loved and he had had a history of these Jones fractures. He had actually had on his left foot, two surgeries, uh, took a full medical red shirt year. And then he, they find another one on his right foot. Um, then he doesn't, he ended up getting cut. And so that was one that when people say, Oh, I can't believe this guy fell in the draft. It's like, well, really I'm not surprised because he had an, in, he had a significant injury history in the, in the two surgeries and an entire year missed on one foot. And then he had the other foot as well. Like teams are not going to assume risk if they don't have to, especially on a guy that maybe they're not hundred percent sold on the talent anyway. So, I mean, there's definitely lots of nuggets in this. I'm actually getting ready to drop the update. Um, I thought I was going to be able to do multiple updates this summer and then life just like hit me with a ton of COVID. So, uh, well, you better not do the a fucking update because, sorry, I, curse. <laughs> I, like I cursed. <laughs> um, I didn't, you better effing update it because I just bought it 
They spent the ten bucks to do it, guys. Just go out and buy it. It's ten dollars. If you have, if you have two Starbucks coffees in your in your wallet, you can buy this injury guide by Ethan. Um, but now I'm like clamoring for it because I can't find it. Where is it? Oh, dude! It. Now I gotta. You just, you just hijack my money is what you're basically what you're saying. Is I'm just, st- my money. <laughs> yeah. you're so, just stealing people's money. It's a process. If you buy it on the so if you go to the fantasyheadliners.com, you I can mm-hmm. you can buy it through the website, and then the way it works is. The the guy who runs the website has to email me and tell me like, hey, send this because I actually take mm, the time. Suspicious. suspicious. I actually to me. I actually take the time and individually email every person that has bought it. Will I get a special um, love letter? Dude, you might. You might. Yes. You might. Yes. I'm gonna say, dear Doctor Porus, my dearest, <laughs> my dearest, bestest friend. Do you know what that actually reminds me of? Is the certain the Captain Andrew Luck? The sidearm. Yeah. You, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you know what I'm talking about. I was like, oh man. Oh yeah. I don't anyway. get your job. No. <laughs> no. So I do, I do individually email everybody. Um, cool. Just because, you know, for me, this is like my baby. This was like this thing that I said, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to put a ton of time into this and make it incredible. And I just hope that people appreciate it. And they'll, when they, I've never once had somebody get it and be like, Oh, well, this wasn't worth $10. Most of the time it's, dude, why aren't you charging like 20 bucks for this thing? And I'm not saying that just to like hype it up. That's just literally the response that I've gotten. I cannot promise you that the 2021 rookie injury guide will not be a little bit more expensive than this year. Uh, but for me, do you have the past guides available for sale, Ethan? So technically no. Um, the data was included in a different guide that is, uh, no longer it, let's put it this way. What I was doing in the past was not nearly as detailed as what I did for this one. This one has got so much injury detail that you can actually go back and you can every, well, every injury has a source anyway, but you can actually go back and find the games that this guy got hurt in. And that is information is all given to you. So if you're like, I don't know if this is real, you can go and look and look it up and do it all the research yourself. I don't know why you would, cause you only pay, you pay me 10 bucks to do all that for you, but you can go look it up and confirm that that actually happened. And so, um, and then if you're, if you can't find it, I'll give you the source. Like I have them all saved. So, um, yeah, I, d- I could give you the, the basic database for the old stuff, but it doesn't have the type of detail that my this one does. And so mm-hmm. it's not as useful as what this one is. So going forward, obviously my hope is that over time, potentially this could be its own website that you just subscribe to. And then you get all the college injury data f- that I've collected, um, you know, going forward from here on out, but I don't know, that's a long way away. So I'm not, I'm not really thinking about that too much, man. That's an extremely valuable thing. I didn't even know, honestly, I didn't even know that it was available for 2020. It's a thing that's like, so underlooked and so difficult to research as a okay let me let me for the listeners to to tell you how difficult it is to to find a any injury that happened before the nfl it's so it's almost it's nearly impossible i mean it's just it's it's so hard and ethan takes the time to actually find stuff like car accidents that you know benjamin got in when he was four (laughs) um like he takes the time to find it it's ten dollars. I mean, it, we didn't even talk about the fact that I was going to talk about it like this when we game on, came on the show. But it's literally ten dollars. Don't be a cheapskate. You're not entitled to people's hard work and brain. You're not entitled to that for free. Just go buy it. It's ten bucks. That's it. I just bought it. I literally bought it online. I haven't gotten it yet because Ethan's inefficient way of, of sending it to his users is gonna. Hey, I'm up- sorry that I'm very <laughs> personal. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I'm looking letter. I'm looking forward to my love letter, but I did buy it. But no, really, in reality, it's oh god, researching rookies, dude. It's like I didn't even do it this year, honestly, because I was like, it's such a headache, and I had so much other stuff going on, other stuff I wanted to write about that I didn't even really do it. I didn't get into it. I, I focused on veterans. So I much much props to you for doing that research and putting in that legwork. Yeah, to me, again, it, it's mostly for me just to have it to to enhance my my own analysis, but. I felt like it was so underreported that I was just, I was honestly frustrated. Like I tell people all the time, if somebody, anybody, a website, somebody else wants to go and collect this, 
I would happily pay them $10 a year to not have to spend 400 plus hours researching it so that I can give it to other people. You're not really paying for the guide, which is beautiful, by the way, when you actually get to see it, if I ever send it to you. Uh, my wife designed it. And so it is, it oh, is, nice. inc- it is incredibly, it's the best looking guide on the planet. I'm just, I'll just tell you right now. Uh, nice. But you're not paying for the guide. The guide, all the stuff is extra. All you're really paying is so that for the, the service of not having to go find this stuff on your own. And that amount of time that you save yourself is, I mean, you can't, by all means, go take, if you, if you want to say like, this isn't worth it, go take a guy that has like a Tua and go wade through, go try to f- try to create your own injury history for that player. And then you let me know how long it took you to do that. And then I will tell you that it's probably more than an hour. And so if you think your time is worth that times a hundred players and that's not worth $10, like, I'm sorry, like, Hey, by all means continue to do it and then put it all together and then sell it to me because I'd much rather you do that for me than me have to go do it every year. But I, I like it. So I, that's, I I wrote an injury profile on Tua and it was a nightmare. I think that. It took me three hours in total. It's miserable. The whole thing. It's, it's miserable. It's literally miserable. Because <laughs> what happens is. the work that, that you're putting in for this stuff if they're really complaining about it. Well, yeah, exactly. Because what happens is you go, all right, I'm going to Google to his injury history. And then what you get is his most recent hip injury. And you get about a thousand articles of that. And then you get a thousand articles analyzing that injury. And then you go, well, I know that he had two ankle injuries. And so by the time you actually find those, you've spent an hour just like scouring Google. And so why would you do that to yourself when you can just pay me 10 bucks? <laughs> That's exactly right. Makes no, I think that is super, super good value, man. I'm excited to get it. Let's, uh, let's shift gears here and talk about, I think you, you didn't want to talk about James Conner um, I refuse a as a fan. as a Steelers fan. I refuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think everybody else was a go, right? Yeah, we're good. Okay, a- AJ Green. Thoughts? I'm out. I'm out. Ooh. I'm away. Why is that? Why is that? You mean? know, I just there comes a time when I just feel like I don't trust the player enough to draft them onto my team. I am. While I talk about injuries all the time, and you would think. Well, you, you would know exactly who to risk and who not to risk. For the most part, I am very risk averse when it comes to injuries. I want guys that I can basically lock in for the vast majority of the season. And I know there's you're going to listen to this and say, well, that's not really that doesn't really work because, you know, what happens when so-and-so tears their, tears their ACL in week one? All right. Well, I can't confirm that will happen, but I know that. I can avoid those players that I feel like have the highest risk to get injured. And so that's, that's kind of where my take is on AJ green. I I get the talent and I respect the hell out of him as a football player. I just, to me, I'm out. I just don't, I don't want to take the risk. I don't want to know that I'm spending draft capital when I can take a guy from the same team around the same time that I trust more. And so who's that uh, Tyler Boyd? I mean, I, okay. I'm, I'm big on Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really take rookies often in, in redraft, oh, but, no. uh, but it depends on the rookie. Though. It depends on the rookie. I mean, like Jalen Rager, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna hit the button on, but for the most part, like T Higgins, I don't know exactly what his role is going to be. Are you waiting for AJ green to get injured at that point? I don't really like trusting that an injury will happen either. So yeah, uh, I just yeah, avoid yeah. the situation altogether. And ultimately fantasy comes down to a lot of just, do you want this player? Do you want to, you want this player on your team or you not want this player on the team? And so, exactly. you know, for me, I don't have anything personally against AJ green. I just don't want to deal with that if it comes up. Absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. I think that at this point he is what he is. That's what I said. This I described that to somebody. I don't remember who it was, but at, and it's not an insult, right? Because AJ Green was a perennial top ten, top fifteen fantasy wide receiver for what a matter of like five years, six years, or something like a long time. He was good. He is good. I mean, he's he. I don't know. I don't. I'm not quite sure if he's Hall of Fame good, um, but he's. I good. think he'll end up in the Hall of Fame. I think so too. 
he's but, he's, uh, at, he's been clean the whole time. You know, I don't see any reason why you couldn't put him in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. And I, I think just at this point at 32, I don't know if you knew this or not. Maybe you did. The only wide receivers older than him are, well, first of all, guess how many wide receivers are older than he is. <sighs> okay, we got like, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald. Fan, fan, fantasy relevant. Okay, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald got one. Um, Older than 32. Is Deshaun Jackson older than 32 or is he 31? Deshaun Jackson's 31. Ah, oh, shoot. Um, yeah, dude, I'm out. <laughs> Larry Fitzgerald so, is one for sure. Larry Fitzgerald is the low-hanging fruit. Um, I actually lied. No, uh, Deshaun Jackson is 33. Uh, not 33. Okay. <laughs> so you got, you, got, you got two. Two for two. Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald, Deshaun Jackson, Emmanuel Sanders, Danny Mandola, Julian Edelman. There's a five wide receivers older than than AJ Green. And that and, tells you all you need to know. <laughs> that tells you all you need. The dude with the highest upside in that group is Deshaun Jackson by default. Right? Fitzgerald's got no juice, unfortunately. Great guy, great great story, right? The entire thing. Uh, we, everybody loves him, but just no juice. Julian Edelman, I think I don't think he's I don't think he's ever been. Julian Edelman's never been like an upside draft right at least in my opinion i mean he's just um, a ppr floor yeah, to me just, yeah. which isn't a bad like you need some of those it's guys not a knock. but not a knock right you also don't want to uh, like yeah. rely on that guy emmanuel sanders uh, you can't really judge him too much from last year considering the fact he got traded in the middle of the season to a new team as a receiver and he was coming but off I mean, an achilles tear which is never yeah, a good time exactly it's just aj green at this point as respectfully as i can put it is just he is what he is um, coming off an injury. That's probably, honestly, probably like talked about him way too much anyway already. Will Fuller. Here's a guy, in my opinion, Doc. I didn't think I'd end up on this side of the fence. And I was saying, I think before we hit record, it, last year was inevitably uh, going to be one of those seasons that Dalvin, or Dalvin Cook, good Lord, that Will Fuller was going to be down uh, yeah. for a lot of different reasons. And I want to hear your reasoning. I want to hear your thoughts on that. So, I tend to avoid, as I said, I was, I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to injuries. I like AC, when someone tears the ACL, I need a full 12 months before I'm like, I am in on that guy. And so you just see it over and over again. They start out the year slow. They end up with a hamstring strain. They end up with something ends up happening the year after they tear an ACL that makes them not worth what you're paying for them. And Will Fuller was, was heading into basically that season he tore his ACL right in the middle of the year I think it was either week eight or week 10 I can't always get him and Cooper Cup mixed up um I think he was second I think it was week eight, I think it was week eight. so I know that they both tore their ACL you know basically right in the middle of the year so I by default avoided both I didn't have any of either and you could argue that maybe Cooper Cup that was wrong process I'm working on evaluating what made that situation different? And it comes down to one. I, I just didn't expect Cooper cup to command like 14 targets a game to start the year, but I also didn't expect him to stay healthy the whole year, which he did, which I'm, which is great. So it was one of those things where my process hit on one and missed on the other. And I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, Will Fuller, you know, that's pretty damn good. You bat 500 in the majors. I mean, here's the thing. Like, did it hurt me to not take Cooper cup where he was being drafted wide receiver 21 last year? Like really? No. I mean, the players that I took instead were just as valuable to my fantasy teams as what Cooper cup would have been. So, and he didn't finish the year particularly strong. So yeah, he got you wins at the beginning of the year, but then things happened there and then he didn't really produce very well for you at the end of the year, which is really what I care about is winning championships. So the process was okay. Um, but no, Will Fuller, I don't, like I said, you know, you're waiting until basically the middle of the season before he's at that hundred percent of pre-injury production. And you're hoping that while he's got a shortened recovery time, that they don't rush him back. He doesn't end up uh, compensating with a hamstring issue. And that's what happened. He ended up with a hamstring strain. And so it came, it played out exactly how you would expect. So I was never high on Will Fuller last year. That being said, I'm, I'm in on Will Fuller this year. The, <laughs> the, the situ, the situation has not changed from an injury perspective, but from an 
offense perspective, he no longer has DeAndre Hopkins. And I like, I'm like kind of coming back on Brandon Cooks a little bit too, but he obviously has his own issues. I'm not afraid to honestly stack these two if you can get them at a good price. And I know it sounds crazy, but that team is going to have to throw the ball. Their defense is not very good, at least not in the secondary. And so you're going to see shootouts. And if you're seeing shootouts, you're going to want a piece of that offense somewhere. And so he's now recovered. He's past that, that 12 month mark with the ACL. He has been extensively working on figuring out why he keeps getting injured with these soft tissue injuries. Will he figure it out? I don't know. There's no way to confirm or to, you know, there's no way for me to say, yeah, he's definitely got it figured out now. Maybe he doesn't, maybe this becomes an issue again, but what I've seen is if he gets 120 targets and manages to stay healthy, you're going to wish you took him in like the 11th round where he's going or the ninth round where he's going. Um, so I'm in on Will Fuller. I actually took him in Scott Fishbowl. And so I feel like I say, oh yeah, I'm definitely risk averse, but then there's still, there's still some guys that I just, I'm not quite ready to quit. Just this year, this year I'm willing to give Will Fuller last, like this is the last year he's in a contract year too. We we didn't even mention that he's in a contract year. He's a de facto number one. He's going to be in a ton of shootouts. He's been working on his body, what, like you said, whatever that means. Um, we at least know he's trying. And he, Deshaun Watson, just recently said in, in an ESPN article that uh, that we're gonna get, we're gonna see Will Fuller ball out this year. So, hey man, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think I've I've definitely warmed on him. So that that's where I'm at too. Uh, moving on to another pass catcher, and not really necessarily a receiver, but a pass catcher. Talk to me about Evan Ingram, man. I knew I see I saw this name and it's just another one of those kind of like AJ Green where I look at it and I'm like gosh I want to love this guy as a talent and I do like Evan Ingram as a talent but it just seems like every year and with Ingram it's almost more concerning because it's like every year it's a major issue but foot foot injuries are tricky man I mean you know this I always say the reason foot injuries suck is because there's really not a good way to like rehab a foot. I mean, there's ways to rehab a foot, but effectively there isn't. I mean, that you can do some stuff, but you're really limited on how you strengthen this and stabilize the foot. And so that makes them incredibly difficult to rehab. And it makes me really cautious when I see somebody that's dealt with foot issues, um, trying to come back. I mean, I just really, I don't love it. I don't love it. And he's, you're not really getting an injury discount either. And so are you paying up for Evan Ingram when you can wait on tight end and get a healthy Mike Isecki, a healthy TJ Hawkinson, a healthy Johnny Smith? Uh, you know, there's three guys right there that I, I love over Evan Ingram anyway, but that's, they're also much safer and you can grab two of them and you're perfectly fine. Um, even a guy like Darren Waller, I mean, going to right around the same time, I would rather have Darren Waller this year for me personally. Um, it's not that I don't love the talent. It's just that I don't trust him. What about dynasty? I take a very tight end heavy approach in dynasty. I want the studs, but if I don't have the studs, I'm grabbing one every year. And just hoping they hit. So like most of the time, my tight ends are whoever hit the most recent. So like I had, well, I, I invested heavily in Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson when they came out. I had a lot of OJ Howard, which bums me out because uh, it doesn't look like he's going to become a thing, at least not this year again, which is which is dumb. Um, he's too talented and Bruce Arians doesn't know how to use him. But yeah. I just, I don't have a lot of him. I'm sorry. Like I just, <laughs> I've avoided him. I've avoided him. Let's just, let's just put it where it is. Sure, sure, sure. I don't trust him. And if I don't trust you, I'm out. That's totally fair, man. Let's talk about, um, who should we hit on next here? I think we can, we can talk. I, I want to know your thoughts on Chris Carson. Cause he's a guy I honestly am having a hard time figuring out from an injury perspective. 
Yeah, Carson's kind of an interesting case because he's had some issues, um, kind of on and off. He's had some ankle issues. He's had, uh, you know, obviously the most recent one is this hip, which I thought was going to be a really serious issue, um, but he didn't have surgery on it, and so that that gives me some some. It was a stable fracture, and so. For anyone listening, that's like, I don't know what that means. It basically means that they didn't have to go in and like move the bones back into place because they were already there and the body is going to heal them naturally anyway in place and be fine. Um, I am, I'm buying in one more. Give me one more year, Chris Carson. Uh, This year, Chris Carson is every report that's come out this preseason is Chris Carson is the dude. Carlos Hyde came out and said, Chris Carson's the dude. Uh, Pete Carroll came out and said, Chris Carson's the dude, you know, there, I don't expect Rashad Penny to be back coming from uh, an ACL tear that had extra damage. Um, You and I both know that that means you're talking extra rehab when you're talking extra damage. So I, I just feel like Chris Carson is just doomed for another like hyper usage season. And then he's in a contract year. Doomed. You use the word doomed. So don't I mean he's yeah you caught me there like I don't have a defense for that like he's in, I want to be more I should be more animated like we're we're lucky <laughs> like this is great we love Chris Carson I mean I, I've always invested in Chris Carson because I said it I said it back when they kind of gave him the workload at first and then they still drafted Rashad Penny and I said whoa 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 I know where they took Rashad Penny in the first round, but like, listen to what everyone is saying that makes decisions for that team. They love Chris Carson. And if the team, the people that make the decisions love Chris Carson, they're going to play Chris Carson. Like that's just how it works. You know, you don't have to love him. You can say Rashad Penny is better than him in every way, shape or form. It doesn't matter what you think or what I think sitting on the sidelines, the team loves him. And so, of course, they love him. You got a guy that has been super productive that is on a like seventh round rookie contract. They're paying him pennies to be a bell cow. That is like the best situation. This should be like he should be the poster child for running backs don't matter because you got him in like you're, you're paying him literally nothing to destroy his body for his entire rookie contract. And then he's going to finish this season, even if he has an amazing year. Nobody's going to pay him anyway. So it's, it's devastating. I feel bad for him. I I guess the doom was me feeling bad that this guy is getting paid literally nothing close to what he's worth. And he's going to be used like he's one of the you know top 12 backs in the league. And that is dooming him to more workload, more risk for injury and a less likely chance that he ever actually gets paid what he's worth. Uh, to the football team. Totally agree. So he's, he's like doomed he's to doomed. be the bell cow for another year while playing for literally pennies. Absolutely. Okay. Let's, let's talk about, and then a couple of, we can wrap up with these two guys. Cause I also want your opinion on these two guys. I'm, I'm talking about Mark Ingram and David Johnson, Mark Ingram. I believe at some point, at some point, Mark Ingram's body, I think, is going to run away from him. I think that he's going to lose control of the freak athleticism that he has. I hope not. I hope I'm wrong. But I just think that he's 30 years old, going on 31. A ton of other injuries that he's had, just by virtue of being in the NFL. His body is, you know, at this point, he's not, he's obviously peaked. He's on the downhill. He's plateaued, in other words. And, and really, we're just waiting for the down, you know, for the downslope on this. That's not me predicting anything or, or or wishing anything negatively on Mark Ingram. It's just it's just it's the way that it is. Running backs don't last until they're 36 years old, like Frank Gore, until they're 35, 34, like Adrian Peterson. Like that just doesn't happen. And I'm just wondering when that fall off might be. I'm not necessarily trying to predict it, but you know, it's not like he's going to last another five years in the league. So I don't know what your thoughts are on him, uh, and and obviously having J.K. Dobbins in the backfield now. Whether you're willing to take. Uh, that that price tag on on J.K. Dobbins, I think it's like seventh or eighth round. I don't love the price on J.K. Dobbins, but I in redraft, I do think at some point 
we're going to see this the torch kind of be passed on willingly or not willingly by Mark Ingram to J.K. Dobbins because what we're going to see is kind of the same thing we saw with Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb where when J.K. Dobbins on the field, they're going to have more juice. And if you've got those big plays, he only needs to break off three or four of those big plays before now all the team says, you know, the team's going to want him on the field. And so to me, I think it's inevitable that J.K. Dobbins being a younger faster version of a running back that can do a lot of the same things that Mark Ingram can do. He's going to get a role early. They're already talking about how he's pushing to start already in training camp. And so when does it take over? You know, is that week four? Is it week eight? Tell us doc. That's what we're asking. Dude, I, I truly think that by week eight, we're going to see JK Dobbins having the majority of the, of the touches. And so while I don't love Dobbins's price, I think if you take him, just know that you might have a few short weeks. Hopefully you're hoping for a boom week. Hopefully you don't have to start him right away and you've got a running back core that's ready for you. Um, But just know that, you know, by week like three or four, that's when I'm probably trying to trade for Dobbins in season and redraft. I'm like, hey, He's underperforming. You better just, you know, send him my way. I got some guys that are kind of overperforming. You just, you know, you just, you know, just send him on over. Just, just let me have a little piece of that. Um, Tell me what you think about a guy, another guy. Then tell me what you think about David Johnson, who I think, I think personally, I think that we've seen that that precipitous drop, that that cliff. I think that he fell off the cliff last year, man, and I just think he's done. Uh, you know, you're you're so honest and forthcoming with your. I love that. I just want you to know, I just tweeted something out about how I just hate when it's all sunshine shines and rainbows when it comes to players. That is my least favorite fantasy analysis because guess what? Anyone can hype everyone and then be like, yeah, guess what? Like I hit, like, of course you hit, right? You right. freaking said everyone was going to succeed. And then you, you cherry pick the ones that worked. So, well, as um, you said it in the beginning too, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback with something you just said as injury analysts, our job is literally to like, find the silver lining. And so as injury analysts, when we can't find the silver lining, when we literally said that it's impossible to predict injury and athletic performance, and it's impossible to use any variable that's going to really tell us anything other than the obvious. Like if we're the ones that's telling you, Hey, this might be the end. Like, you know, that we, we have some sort of idea behind what our reasoning is, unless you disagree, unless you disagree on David Johnson, of course. I don't. I don't. Here's the thing. David Johnson falls into this category of running backs. And to a lesser extent, Todd Gurley is there for me too, where do I see them having value in certain situations with certain ways that drafts go? Yeah. I mean, I think they could be viable pieces on your fantasy team. If say you want to go wide receiver heavy early or say you, you know, they fall to the seventh round and you're taking them as your RB four. Yeah, by all means, grab a David Johnson, grab a Todd Gurley. I don't actively like seek out those types of players because I do feel like they are kind of at the end. Yeah, you might you might strike gold, but you probably won't. Like, would you rather have a J.K. Dobbins or a David Johnson? To me, I'd rather have Dobbins because I know if he takes over, he could potentially lead me to a championship. David Johnson, as the year progresses, if we really he's feel not like going to lead you to any championship, if you right? really feel like he's fallen off a cliff, which I, I'll be honest, I agree. I don't. I think last year was kind of it for David Johnson, and I got blasted. I'll, I will. I'll admit this on air, even if I'm wrong. I don't care. I got blasted at a rookie draft this year where I traded David Johnson. He was on my squad. He was like my sixth running back, and I traded him for two basically the last two picks of the third round of the rookie draft and Boston Scott. And I got slammed for that trade, but here's the thing. It's a good trade. (laughs) Here's the thing. Guess who I took with those two picks. I took Antonio Gibson and Josh Kelly and I got Boston Scott. So now I have three lottery tickets. Uh, One of them is already like semi hit because I could trade Antonio Gibson for a second today and instantly recoup the cost. And hopefully by the end of this year, I could trade him for a first, but 
to me, that's three lottery tickets of guys that I think given opportunity could produce at a similar level to David Johnson. And now I don't have to worry about David Johnson dying on my bench, not dying like literally, but dying figuratively in fantasy. And that is my number one thing I do not want. I don't want players retiring or becoming essentially untradeable. And they're just sitting on my bench. I hate that, especially in dynasty. So if that tells you anything, like I'm out on David Johnson, like I am totally out and nobody would trade him. I tried to get an early third. Nobody would trade for him. Just know that it's, it's over. Like it's over. And I'm sorry, go draft Duke Johnson and redraft and just hold on to that lottery ticket. Cause at some point you're gonna be able to cash it. Absolutely. I got a last question for you. I got a Tell last me why answer. You use the word mate. I thought you were <laughs> Australian. Oh, uh, I use, so one, I'm a big Steve Irwin fan back to my, I used to want to like, seriously, when I was a little kid, Steve Irwin was like the freaking, like the Holy grail of what manhood meant. Like this guy is freaking catching snakes and freaking wrestling crocodiles. Like there's no manly man. And he's like a great family dude and just really like quirky and funny. Like he was my idol. And I, I used to tell my mom, like, I'm going to be a veterinarian. I'm going to move to Australia and I'm going to work for Steve Irwin. Like that is my goal in life. When I was like five, you were devastated when he passed away then. Oh my dude. I cried. I cried. That was the first time that I cried for somebody that I didn't ever actually like meet and they died. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I didn't say it. Cause I, I didn't say that. Cause I was like, dude, we were like 12. I know, but it was, I mean, I was like, Holy cow, like devastated. I'm like, my whole life's in freaking shambles now. Like, how am I going to work for Steve Irwin if he's dead? There's no way. And so I say mate. I started saying mate when I was really young. And now I say it more because, one, it's different. People don't say mate as often. Two, it's pretty gender neutral, which like, I don't really focus too much on like being gender neutral. But I do like the fact that like I can call anybody mate and it's they're not really upset about it. Um. So, yeah, I mean, like, it just became part of my vocabulary because I was literally watching Steve Irwin like every day after school for like, for like five years. Um, What's another obscure, obscure show that you watched as like as a kid? Maybe that one wasn't so obscure, but like, what's an obscure, because like for me, for example, an obscure show that I remember coming home and watching is uh, Bob Ross painting. (laughs) <laughs> all right all right hear me out hear me out so <laughs> kindergarten right we're talking kindergarten right so ethan we spent literally we went to 19th grade well how many grades did we go to i don't even remember anymore uh we not, went to a lot of school but this uh, is throwing it back to 16 19th we went to 19 grades we went to 19 grades okay? we went to this is, we went to too much debt grades Continue. exactly we went to great this is this is throwing it back to grade zero i remember coming home during the half days of kindergarten right because kindergarten you get half days come home and I remember my grandma would be home. My grandma would be the one watching me. I just come into, come into the living room, turn on the TV. I don't know why I was always on channel three. I don't know what the, what was going on there. Maybe we only had that channel. I don't even remember. And I just remember this guy with a big old fro, the big white guy with a big old fro painting with these brushes. And I went, Hmm, I guess I'll watch Bob Ross. And I remember literally that entire kindergarten year. I'd come home and watch Bob Ross. What's your, what's your obscure, what's your obscure TV show? Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something obscure. Oh man, that's, that's really tough. You know, I, (laughs) so I, do you remember Johnny Bravo? Oh, do I? Dude, Johnny Bravo was my freaking jam back in the day. And it was funny because he lived with his mom. I grew up with a single mother, so it was just me and my mom at home. And so like, I still call my mom mama. Like he always called mama. Like I can't even do it, but, <laughs> but he used to always call his mom. Hey, what's up mama? He used to, and I just thought it was freaking hilarious. And so like, that was probably my like show that maybe somebody listening to this would be like, Oh my God, I totally remember. I totally remember Johnny Bravo, but no, that was like, and, and, and like now thinking back on it, Johnny Bravo is probably like the worst show to show a, a young male because so. he was just yeah. a horrible human being and he was yeah. not good to women and he was like just super full of himself. But, you know, that's just that was that's just my thing, man. Like, I love watching that show. So 
I don't know. That's that's probably my quirkiest my quirkiest thing. But yeah, I do. So, I, that's not, you're doing. You're in pretty good shape if that's the quirkiest thing you got got in your closet. There, I came home and watched a creepy guy paint. So, you I know, mean, actually, I tried showing uh, my wife Bob Ross. She didn't get it. She like doesn't understand like the you know how the okay. Did you know there's like a whole Bob Ross culture out there like trying to revive the whole? Oh yeah, I mean, okay. he was like a big deal. Yeah, I mean he was, and I still think he's. It's like his paintings are super interesting to watch. By the way. Um, I didn't think we'd end on this tangent here, but uh, this is a good tangent though. The people need to know <laughs> that despite the fact that all we do is talk about injuries and in football, that we actually like are normal people too. <laughs> Human beings. <laughs> That's what I try to convey. Honestly, is that I mean, I just can't get this idea of I'm picturing your profile picture, but with just a huge Bob Ross fro and it's just, <laughs> it's making legit, making my whole night. What if, what if I, uh, what if I do that for like Halloween? I don't think anybody would get it except you. Dude, I would get it. Just for one day, just put it up there. I will freaking, I'll share it. I'll favorite it. I don't, you know, you hit me. I'll hit you with a like. <laughs> I'm gonna, I might have to do it. I might have to do it. I think that's going to be Oh, it. God. This has been fantastic. Johnny Bravo, Steve Irwin. Why you say mate? Anyway, this has been, we're going on about 50 minutes now. This is a good meandering podcast. I liked it. I, I think it's, uh, it was fun to do this, man. I love talking to you. Guys like you and Bats and Adam. Um uh, Adam Hutchison, you guys are you're good dudes, smart dudes, and this is always a good time. So I appreciate you coming on. Dr. Ethan Turner at eTurnerFF underscore PT. God, that underscore trips me up. At eTurnerFF underscore PT. Go see his rookie injury guide. I just bought it while we were on the air. It's fantastic. I'm waiting for him to write me a love letter uh, that comes with an attachment. Other than that, you got anything else, Ethan? I got nothing, man. Uh, obviously, this year... It's going to be a, tons of injury content, so many new injury faces, and I love it. It To me, it's not competition. I always say fantasy football injury analysis, You going to the doctor, you always want a second opinion. So I love that I have people that I can bounce ideas off of, talk to. Absolutely. Uh, yep. A lot of what I'm going to be doing this year is through YouTube. So it's not going to be on Twitter. It's going to be YouTube videos with the fantasy headliners. Make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe to the fantasy headliners to get all my injury info. Um, and all my fantasy info is basically going to be on the fantasy headliners as well. So uh, definitely make sure you're subscribed to them on YouTube. Beautiful. Thanks for coming on again, Ethan. I really appreciate it. Everybody listening, make sure you go follow Ethan on Twitter. Make sure you follow me at FB Injury Doc. I'm going to try to read his one more time. It is at eTurnerFF underscore PT. Give us a rate, a review, the Injury Pro Fantasy Football Podcast. That's it for today. Thanks for listening.